well, I really like having you around. I just want my mom and dad back together. Mm -hmm. And then she said, maybe you could live next door. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 173 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. If you enjoy our show, do us a favor and leave us a review. We definitely appreciate those. And where can they leave a review, David? You can leave a review anywhere you're listening. But, you know, if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, leave it there. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, then wherever you listen. Okay. But uh, I do want to read one. Uh, we do this from time to time. So this one comes from KJ Wasmund is, is how I'm going to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, and the title is Nacho Supreme. And it reads, this podcast is great for stepmoms. It's so helpful to hear from people who have been there and want to help others. Lori and David do a great job handling heavy topics with humor and empathy. See, I am empathetic, honey. No, you do the humor, I do the empathy. (laughs) Come on now. You know the truth, David Sims. (laughs) But anyway, do that for us. We definitely appreciate it, and we need more reviews, so please help us out. Okay. So, yeah, leave us a review, y'all. A good review. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And before we start talking about our guest today, David, let's tell people about the Nacho Kids Academy where we can help them learn to nacho properly and better their life with nacho. All right, cool. So if you go to nachokidsacademy.com, you can find all the information there. But that's where we have courses set up to help you. We have challenges. We have several 30-day long challenges to help you better your blend, change your stinking thinking, look at yourself in a better light. And create the mindset that you really have to have in order to make the path we take you down with the nacho method actually work. Yeah. So check it out. We'd love to see you there. Yep. Oh, and we have Q&A calls. Yep. That's right. There's a lot of stuff in there. (laughs) Yeah, it is. All right. Our guest today is Sean Simon. She is the author of Stepping Into a New Role, Stories from Stepmoms. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. She's been blending for 17 years, has two stepkids, and she doesn't have any bio kids, only dogs. (laughs) Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. But we know that dogs can also be, let's say, an issue because if the stepkids are mean to the dog, it's like being mean to the stepparent's bio kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's one thing that we discuss in this interview is her stepdaughter spit on her dog. Uh-oh. Yes, she did. The hardest part of her blending is dealing with the ex. <laughs> yep. Her best advice is let the kids come to you when they are ready. Don't force the connection. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we tell people that all the time that they're the ones that really drive the speed at which the relationship works. Yes. 
And I will add a disclaimer. There is brief mention of sexual assault in this podcast. All right. All right. So that's it, David. We're going to keep this one short and sweet. All right, cool. Let's get to it. Today, we have stepmom, Sean Simon. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Before we start talking about your blend, because you are in a blended family, you wrote a book. Tell us the name of that book, because we're going to discuss some of that, too. The name of my book is Stepping into a New Role, Stories from Stepmoms. So it's a collection of my stories from my experiences as a stepmom, along with a whole bunch of stepmoms I interviewed and their experiences. And it's available on Amazon, correct? Yes, it is. And it's also available on Barnes & Noble and on the publishing website, which is the number four, and then RV, like recreational vehicle. Uh So 4RVpublishing.com. That's where you can get the best price. Or you can go directly to my website, which is stepmomshawn.com. And then you have all the links to it. Okay, great. Tell us a little bit about your blend. So when I was divorced, got divorced at the, uh, at what felt like the ripe old age of 37, (laughs) (laughs) sounds so young to me now. I, uh, when I got over my pity party of thinking, I'm too old to meet anybody. Uh, Then I realized, well, I probably will meet somebody with kids, realizing I'm at that age. So whoever I meet, you know, may have kids of his own. And I thought, well, that's perfect for me because I work with children and kids love me. I connect really well with kids. I thought, yeah, it's perfect for me to meet somebody with kids. Mm -hmm. The things that didn't cross my mind were all the difficulties and challenges that come along with blending families. You know, it's it's the kids not really wanting you there, that you're going into a place of grief, that your presence in their home is further proof that their parents will not be getting back together. And all of those things didn't cross my mind. So when I did meet my wonderful husband who came with two children, I was surprised by how hard it was moving in with him and living with him and the kids. I cried myself to sleep many nights. And unfortunately, this goes back. 17, 18 years ago, there weren't podcasts. I mean, I guess podcasts existed, but they weren't the big thing they are now. There weren't very many books on that offered help for step families or step moms. There weren't blogs and, and Facebook pages and all these things that we have now. And so I felt very alone. And that's when I started looking for books and they were just all kind of these self-help books, how-to books. And I, I didn't build by psychologists and all that. I just wanted to hear people's stories. So that's what prompted me to write my book and find stepmoms. And I'm telling you, hearing their stories was so therapeutic for me. I, I felt so validated and so less alone. Yes, it does make you feel more validated because you realize you are not alone in this. So many people are struggling. Exactly. But you have to be careful, and I'm sure you know this, you can get wrapped up in other people's messes and your own mess because you found somebody that, yeah, they can complain just like you and they feel your pain, but it's not healthy sometimes to not try to find the solutions. 100% agree. That is a really good point. Some of the stories I heard were very 
I don't know what the term is, uh, shallow or, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or angry, uh, vindictive. But, you know, I still told their stories and I tried to be true to their voice because some of them, like one of them, her story was, was awful. And I actually stopped her in the middle of it. And I said, are you sure that you're okay with me writing this? And she said, yes, if it will help even just one other stepmom not do what I did, then I am absolutely okay with it. And of course, they're all anonymous. Right. I don't use you know, real names. But I really appreciated her allowing me to tell that story and for that reason. And she did end up getting support and help. But I do hear you. And what I preferred is talking to people, sure, we all need to vent. But then once we're done with the venting, let's look at how we can grow and evolve from this. Right. Yeah. And it's so important to get that support. But to also understand, like I said, that it needs to be not just validation of what you're going through. You need a friend that can say, you know what, Lori, you're off the chain. I understand this hurts you, but you need to look at it a little differently or calm down. It's not the end of the world. Something. Exactly. I have one chapter called, you know, because one of the reasons I wrote the book was to eradicate the notion of the evil stepmom, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I realized, well, you know, I've made some mistakes. And so I actually have. And when I made one of those mistakes, my friend told me, you know, you should write about that story. You can't have all these great stories about how wonderful you are. You need to include that story in the book. I thought, oh, man, do I? And I realized, yeah, she's right. I probably should. So I have a chapter called Not Evil, Just Human. Right. (laughs) And I remember when I shared what I had done with a couple of friends, one of them said, ah, you know, it's okay that you said a bad word. He's 17. He's heard it before. Let yourself off the hook. And then another one said, you know, I think you should go tell him you're sorry and tell him that what you were saying was you had the wrong audience. He didn't need to be the one to hear what you shared. And yeah, I I read that. I read that part. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. You remember that story. Yeah. And I, and I, I took both friends. You probably remember that too. I took both friends advice. I kind of was a little more patient with myself and went up and apologized. (laughs) And it's so important that we can apologize to our kids, our stepkids, our husbands, whatever, because nobody's perfect. And it helps them realize that they can apologize too if something happens, but that we're human and we do make mistakes. Exactly. My mom apologized to me. And I think that's where I learned it from. I remember feeling when she apologized to me for something and she was out of line, (laughs) came home from work and kind of took it out on me and then came in and apologized. And I thought, wow, I think I was nine years old. I thought, wow, my mom respects me. Yes. Somebody worth apologizing to. (laughs) Yes, I matter. And plus, it helps them to think that it wasn't me. It was something that triggered this. For instance, I know, of course, going through all the court crap, you can have a great day and you go check the mail on your way home and there's a bill from the attorney. And it can ruin your day. And then your kid does something and you snap at them. And if you can look at it and go apologize to them and say, I'm sorry, I'm just stressed out. This was going on. You don't have to tell them why you were stressed out, but just let them know that you were just stressed and that you didn't mean to take it out on them. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. And and then they can realize 
again, like you said before, that we're all human and we make mistakes. We're not perfect. So you might have misdirected anger. Okay. The biggest thing is owning it, is owning it. And so many people have a hard time owning things and they project and they put it off on you. I'm not saying it's easy to own your stuff, but it's important too. Right. so important too. And it's important for your kids to see you own it because if not, they're going to grow up and blame everybody for everything. That's right. You're modeling behavior for them. Right. Exactly. So you met this man. Mm -hmm. You didn't have any kids. Right. He has two kids. Exactly. Were you aware that he had kids immediately? Yes. We met through friends. And my friends were hoping after he got divorced, they were hoping that we would get together. (laughs) Oh, yeah, which is really cute. And so I did know that he had two children. Okay. I asked that because a lot of people I interview, we find out that they didn't know originally that their future significant other had children. Yeah, I was going to say that seemed like an odd question. Like, how would you not know that? Well, a lot of them meet on dating apps. And but still, yeah, and the guy doesn't put that he's a father. I, to me, that would be a bit of a red flag. <laughs> yeah, me too. But you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's because they want to see if the relationship's there before they get too deep, or maybe men just aren't as quick to say that they're a parent. Maybe that's interesting. Yeah, and I guess if they don't have fifty percent custody if it's every other weekend, they feel they can keep it to themselves for a while. I. No judgment. Like I said, I did judge. That was, a, I said, oh, that would be a red flag. Yeah. But you know, who knows what all the reasons are, right? I, again, we're human. We tend to judge. But if we can catch ourselves and then go, hmm, maybe I should think about this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Right. So yeah. you met your stepkids. Things went well. Things went bad. How did things go? And this was the interesting part for me. When I met them, we, did it in an, on neutral territory at, at the friend's house who introduced us and kind of had all the kids together. And then I was just sort of introduced as a friend, a special friend. So we sort of tried to do it. We tried to ease into it as well as we could. Uh, we waited a few months for me to even meet them to make sure that the relationship was important to us before, you know, you bring a stranger into your kids' lives, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then The interesting thing was when we finally did a first date, if you will, I felt like I was waiting for a first date and I'm sitting there in my living room waiting for the three of them to show up. And I got so nervous waiting for them to arrive prior to us meeting my husband. I had already met his ex-wife again. We have mutual friends. So I met them when they were still married and, you know, just at a party or whatever. So she knew about me and she knew he was dating me. And she had said to him, well, I don't know if you should have the kids meet her. She only has one arm. What if they're afraid of her? Because, you know, I was born with one arm. I know. And my husband said, well, you know, I don't think they're going to care. It's going to be fine. But then he tells me that. And I laughed. And he said, I can't believe you're laughing. I I thought you'd be so offended. And I said, I work with children. I'm used to handling questions about why I have one arm and how I was born with one arm and how I do everything. It's fine. It's all good. And as I'm sitting there waiting for them to arrive, I got more and more nervous. And I found myself thinking, what if they're afraid of my arm? (laughs) (laughs) 
It was just so funny. I never even think that way, you know, and yet suddenly that crossed my mind and I got so nervous. Because Bio Mom planted that seed in your head. That's right. Exactly. And I know she was scrambling and she was just feeling threatened about me being in her kids' lives. You know, everybody brings their own stuff to this blended family thing. It's hard on the biological parents. It's hard on the step parents. It's hard on the kids. It's hard on everybody. So I do get that, but it was it was really, you know, just kind of funny how it crossed my mind and made me a little bit nervous. Right. And then we went on our first date and it was great. I got along great with the kids. And by the end of the evening, they asked if we were going to have a sleepover, which <laughs> of course we're like, no, we're not ready for that. But then my stepson looked up at me with these big eyes and said, oh, wow, you could be my stepmom one day. So I felt like it all went so well. And then I moved in. And then I think it got real. And yes. I think that's where all the all the other problems came about. And amazing how things change when either you move in or when you get married. Because you could have right. dated him for three years and things would have been good. You could move in and you're gonna go through that reset phase. That's a really good point. And then you could live there five years and then you get married. And guess what? You're going through another reset phase. It all becomes that extra step of realness, Mm -hmm. if that's a word. I think you're right. It's a really good point. You're taking it to that next step. Right. And like you said earlier, it's just validation that their parents aren't going to get back together. Exactly. And for some reason, and I don't know if you noticed this in your research, but it seems to us through our years of experience and dealing with clients, the kids react differently when the dad gets in a relationship than when mom gets in a relationship. Yes. I learned that with my research because I was doing research on blended families in general. And one of the things that I found was that it's much harder for stepmoms than it is for stepdads Mm -hmm. because women as a rule in general are more nurturing and want to dive in and be that mom. And the dad, the biological dad, kind of wants to present us as, here's your new mom. Right. <laughs> She's going to feed you, clothe you, take you to school, and exactly. take over this house, and I'm going to relax. <laughs> right? There's something still inherent in that thinking, even in this day and age. And the advice I got was, Don't jump in and try to discipline. Don't be that person. Let the kids come to you when they're ready. And that was a real big lesson for me in terms of learning to let go and not control things Mm -hmm. and not be that person. And that I think that served me really well talking to people and reading up on it and trying to get as much advice as I could. But don't you find that wouldn't it be great if we had at least one TV show? that depicted a realistic blended family, more movies that show, I mean, it's so big in Hollywood. And yet it seems like it's this dirty little secret that nobody talks about. Right. How hard it is. And a TV show, a realistic TV show, not one where the directors or producers or whoever says, all right, little Johnny, slap your brother. Right. Or, okay, now you're divorced. Now let's go out and meet that 25-year-old hot woman. Right. Right? It's always this arm candy. I'm a year younger than my husband. I'm older than his ex-wife by five years. Mm -hmm. So let's get realistic here. Yeah. I've actually thought about that several times. And 
I know that we've seen things, we've had people reach out to us in the past about step family type shows. And honestly, the ones that reached out to us, they wanted it to be drama. And we're that's not what we're doing. We don't want to cause harm to any family. And in my opinion, that's what you're going to do. Well, when you say drama, it could be just an hour drama show. I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that. No, it it was more of they wanted to make sure that the kids were fighting constantly. And oh. not that that doesn't happen, but they wanted to provoke those situations. Yeah. And we're like, no. Even arguments with, oh, yeah, bio mom's going to bring up her past with your husband and you're going to get all upset about it. You you don't need to do that to families. They're already struggling. It's almost like they wanted to make it like that marriage boot camp. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. But at the same time, if they did bring up some, if if there was a show that did bring up some of the struggles that we really do experience, then that could be helpful too, because again, there's comfort in knowing you're not alone as long as they find ways to resolve it. And again, that growing way, not just drama for drama's sake. And right. Words. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's what it seemed like they wanted it to be was more of the crazy reality show. No. Yes. We don't, we have enough of those for heaven's sake. Yes. But I definitely feel like they should depict the struggles the real actual struggles that blended families experience because like you said, you felt like you were alone. I felt like I was alone and feeling alone and going through all this crap can make you depressed. It can make you suicidal. It can kill you literally. Exactly. That's why there are so many support groups for various different issues Mm -hmm. and why there are shows so many shows that do depict so many of these issues. So why isn't there one for blended families? Nobody see. And don't you find whenever you do see a star interviewed on a show, oh yes, my husband has two kids and now we have a baby together. And it's so great. We all get along so well. <laughs> Come on. And then if you're not feeling that way and you're at home watching that, then you start to think what's wrong with me. Right. Well, they probably have an Alice like the Brady Bunch had. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Because if you think about it, if we would have had an Alice, it would have been easy. Alice would have been the bad person. <laughs> right. It would have been easier for sure. But I think these star families that say, oh, everybody gets along so great. I think they're lying. Yeah. Or maybe they do now, but they didn't. But nobody seems to want to talk about the struggles. I've, I've only seen a couple people actually share the struggles. Right. And then you go in these Facebook groups and you've got the same thing. You've got the unicorns and rainbows, step families. Yeah. And then somebody will comment, I don't like my stepkids. And then they get ringed over the coals. Right. Right. And that's actually how I started Nacho Kids. I found people that were attacked in Facebook groups and private messaged them and said, hey, I understand where you're coming from. I'm sorry you were attacked. I've got a secret group. And Mm -hmm. if you're interested, let me know. And I personally chose people to be in that group. I love that because that was another thing that came up when I was interviewing stepmoms for my book. And it is my favorite chapter in the book that's called Falling in Love. 
And it's not about falling in love with your spouse. It's about falling in love with the kids because not everybody does. Mm -hmm. Not everybody does. And that is okay. You are not marrying the kids. You're marrying their dad. Right. And you don't love the kids when you meet them and they don't love you. And that's totally normal. It would be so weird if they did because you don't know each other. That's what's so tough about being a stepmom is it's such an ambiguous role. You're not aunt or grandma. You're not mom. There is no tag, if you will, for your name. You're not called Mrs. or anything like Mm -hmm. a teacher. So here you are, this grown up coming into these children's lives, but they're supposed to call you by your first name. And most kids don't call adults by their first name. Right. So it's such a, it's such an ambiguous role. And that's what makes it so challenging right there too. So you may not ever love each other and that's okay, but you do have to respect each other and treat each other with respect. Even if you don't quote, quote, love them, that doesn't mean that you wish harm to them. Exactly. And there was a point my stepkids hated me and vice versa, Mm -hmm. but I still cared about them. I didn't want anything to happen to them. Granted, it wouldn't have bothered me if they never came back to visit, but I didn't want anything bad to happen to them. And I knew if they never came back, it would hurt David tremendously. Exactly. And that's what we have to focus on is it's okay not to love these kids, but it's not okay to wish harm on them in any way, shape, or form. And it's not okay for them to disrespect you or for you to disrespect them. You have to learn. It's kind of like you think about where you work. If you work for a company or something, right? You're not going to like everybody you work with. Right. I mean, it's just the reality, but you treat each other respectfully. It's just, you you learn to live together in, in some sort of harmonious way. Right. And a lot of people think that nachoing is more of, oh, you just let the stepkids run over you. No, no. even if you are nachoing, you have every right. If they respond to you and say something ugly, like, well, you're ugly or you're fat, you have every right to say, you don't talk to me like that. And then just walk away. You don't have to sit there and take that crap, but let them know that they're not going to get away with talking to you like that. That doesn't mean you have to punish them, but that interaction ends. That's right. And then when they want you to do something, sorry, I'm busy. Me and my fat self are busy today. (laughs) Right. Exactly. If they want you to suddenly do something for them, you have every right to say no. In fact, in my opinion, and this is where the judgment, right? In my opinion, you should not do it for them. I mean, you know, because you're now showing them that you respect yourself, that you're not going to take that right. abuse. And I tell right. you what, from my nachoing, my stepkids learned to appreciate what I did do for them. I love that. And I remember one of them said, you're not my mom. And of course, 25 thoughts went through my head in a split second. And I said, you know what? You're right. That means I don't have to fix you supper. Go talk to your dad. That's a fantastic response. I'm not responsible for you. I have no obligation to you to take care of you. That's right. Now, granted, I'm talking, these kids were, you know, 10 at the time, 11. So it's not like they couldn't fix a sandwich if they were hungry. Of course, if they were two, you don't tell a kid that's two that. of Oh, I'm not doing nothing for you. I'm not your mom. But when you've got a kid that's sitting there 
for lack of a better word, bashing you. I don't have to listen to you. You're not my mom. You go, oh, yeah, that's right. You might want to ask your dad what he's cooking for supper because I'm done. That's right. I love that. I don't have to answer to you. You're not my mom. Okay. Then you just walk out. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is if they were two or three, they wouldn't be saying that. (laughs) So much of that stuff comes from the age and their own struggles and their own grief and their own confusion. That was a lot of what I went through. I remember everybody telling me, oh, you're so lucky that your stepdaughter's only five because, and your stepson is the older one because she's only five. It won't be such a challenge. She's not a teenager. That was the thinking behind that. Mm -hmm. We did have the most struggles. She and I, it was really interesting. She ran and we're so close now. I mean, she's living with us again while she's finishing up college, which is great. And I love having her here and she's just such a, a beautiful person. But let me tell you, when she was young, she really ran hot and cold on me and gave me a run for my money because it was so challenging. And I didn't have that kind of struggles with my stepson. The struggles I had with my stepson were more because we're very similar. We're both feisty personalities. We're both talkative. We're both, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we ran into those issues, but not nothing deeper, I should say, just some personality clashing to a certain extent. And we're close now too. But my stepdaughter, it was so challenging for me because- she would act like she wanted to be with me, and then she'd run away and suddenly be sort of mean to me. Yeah, because she felt guilty, probably, with the loyalty binds with her mom. That's exactly what it turned out. It was that, and it was also that she was so young when she was told they were getting a divorce that she didn't really know what it meant. I finally sat down and had this talk with my husband. I said, you need to talk to her and find out what this is, because this is getting too hard for me to live with. And God bless him. It was hard for him, but he did. And it turned out that all she knew that meant was that her brother was sad, but she didn't really know why and didn't really understand what it meant, this whole divorce thing. Mm -hmm. And it was throwing her for a loop and making her really sad. And she did. She felt, you know, her loyalties were split and she didn't think it was okay to like me and all that kind of stuff. And we ended up taking the dog for a walk. And the dog that she spit on. Oh, yeah. I was going to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought of that. Yeah. And she gave permission for that cover of my book, by the way. I asked her, how do you feel about this? And she's like, oh, my gosh, I think that's funny. And she doesn't even remember spitting on the dog. So it's all good. And like you said, she had to work up some spit. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. For a six-year-old. And I'm telling you, that was some serious. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) But we went for a walk with that dog when she, at this point, she was probably nine or 10. And I told her my parents got divorced when I was six also. And it was really hard for me too. And went, and I told her, you don't have to tell me you love me because she would kind of muffle it when saying goodnight. I said, it's okay if you don't feel that way. Why would you? You barely know me. This whole thing. We had this whole conversation and she said, well, I really like having you around. I just want my mom and dad back together. Mm-hmm. And then she said, maybe you could live next door. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was so cute. Now, her mom wasn't in another relationship at this time, was she? Yeah, her mom was actually remarried with a baby. <laughs> oh, gosh. So she thought her mom was just going to drop everything and go back. I don't know what exactly she thought. Yeah. How it was all going to work out. But she had her, her little plan in her mind. And And it was interesting because her dad had to say, you need to understand your mom and I are never getting back together. It has nothing to do with Sean. Even if Sean were to move out, 
your mom and I are never getting back together. And I think she needed to hear that. As hard as that was, she needed to hear that. Because I, I, I do too. I think they need to know that because otherwise they hang on to this hope. That's right. And yeah, she I asked my son forward. one time, I said, a lot of kids just hold on to this hope that their parents will get back together. And I said, your dad and I weren't together when you were born. I said, but have you ever wished that? He said, Lord, no. Y'all can't <laughs> get along now. I can't imagine what it'd be like living with both of you. <laughs> That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's that's some maturity and uh, evolved thinking to realize that. Yes. And what, what's interesting about that is that's how my stepson felt because he was older. He remembers the fighting. Right. He remembers the the slamming doors, the arguing, all of that stuff. And he saw how happy his dad was with me. Right. And my attitude about that was because their mom at this point had remarried and had a baby, but they also weren't getting along and they are now divorced as well. And I, the kids would come home and tell us about the fighting and what was going on and how horrible it was. And we couldn't save them from that. We would just listen and talk. And I, but I remember thinking they're going to have two clear pictures of what a healthy relationship looks like versus an unhealthy. And I just hope that they will make good decisions when they get into relationships. Yes. And I know so many people that they get divorced. And so we'll just say the mom has the kids all the time, except every other weekend. So mom has all these responsibilities. She doesn't really have quote, quote, time to date because she only has every other weekend free. And the next thing you know, it's been 10 years and she's still single. And she says, well, I'm going to live to take care of my kids. They're my priority. I understand that. But I also had, I was blessed to have a friend that she told me when Jackson was little, she said, do not do like I did. Mm. Do not let this child be the center of your life. They need to see a healthy relationship. That's right. Good advice. There's a saying that says, if you're religious, God first, then yourself, then your relationship, then your kids. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean to the point of being selfish and neglectful. It just means that your needs have to be met first in order for your marriage to be healthy. And in order to be a good parent, if you're married, your marriage has to be healthy. And for those things to be healthy, they need attention. And so many people do things backwards. Right. It's fascinating. And I and I 100% agree with that. You need to have a full life for yourself in order to be that good parent to your kids. Now, I've had this conversation with Melanie Anthony years ago. She did the Stepmoms Alive event. And she said something about your marriage comes first. And I said, mm, I don't know about that. And she said, what do you mean you don't know about that? I said... If David said, you have to let Jackson go live with his dad or we can't be together, then I would be like, hasta la pasta, baby. Jackson's (laughs) not going anywhere. Right. If somebody said that to me about my dog, goodbye. Goodbye. Now, that's different, though. That's not, but that's where I said that's to the point of selfishness or that's a whole different ballgame. It's just taking care of yourself and your marriage, not 
getting rid of right, right. a loved one. Yes, or even making sure that you do have date nights. That, yes. That's simple enough as far as putting okay. your marriage first. I, and don't get me wrong, you have to have a good, strong marriage. Right. But I also know that my responsibility as a parent is to raise my child. That's right. And that, but, li, but li, listen to what you just said, having that date night, that right there is going to help your marriage be strong. Yes. That's the perfect example of, of it, of not, it's kind of like on the airplane when they say, you know, put your oxygen mask yes. on first, then your child, you can't help your child if you can't breathe. Right. So again, not to the point of, of being selfish. It's the, it's to the point of taking care of, um, nurturing, nurturing yourself. If you need to go on a run every day to make you feel good, do that. So right. it's nurturing yourself. And if you need that, that date night to nurture your marriage, do that mm-hmm. because then you are going to be so much better for your children. Right. And a good example that I just thought of actually was, I know a lot of parents sleep with their kids. And then they get in a relationship or move in together or get married. And they'll still go lay down with little Johnny, who's 10 years old, to help him go to sleep. And then they never end up in the bed with their partner. Right. So they're constantly sleeping with their kid. And I get wanting to love your kid and spend as much time with them as you can. But you also can't neglect your marriage. That's right. That is a perfect example of taking it too far the other way of putting the children first above your marriage. And that is not healthy. I agree with you 100%. And then it goes back to also those people who stay together for the kids. Yes. What does that even mean? There's a saying out there, better to be from a broken home than in a broken home. And I 100% agree with that. I know divorce isn't easy, but it's it's a rough time to get through. But you have to think about what you're doing for your kids by, again, like we said before, getting out of a bad marriage to show them perhaps what a good marriage looks like if you were to remarry and all that. Oh, honey, let me tell you, Mm. I grew up in a broken home. Uh, Not not that my parents split up till I was 30, but my, oh God, they should have. Exactly. They were miserable every other week. They were threatening to get divorced or split up. And my mom would always say, who are you going to go with? Well, my daddy, of course. Well, that just made her mad. Of course. But she didn't want me to go with her anyway. She wanted my other two sisters to go with her. But as a child, to live in that constant turmoil where your parents are constantly fighting. So in turn, your mom, especially because my dad was working, it seemed like more at night than she was, that... She was always angry. She wasn't happy. When they were together, it wasn't happy. Vacations weren't very memorable in a good way. And I do. I wish they would have gotten divorced sooner. That's exactly. So you know, you lived it, Mm -hmm. lived in that broken home. And like you said, they didn't get divorced until you were 30. You're like, thanks a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't easy then when they got divorced. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, I would have been perfectly fine if they would have gotten divorced when I was younger, but I would have been a horrible stepchild. Ah, That's funny. You think so, huh? Oh, I know so. Why is that? Because I'm a daddy's girl. I would have been a mini wife. 
I would have been the one to get them to fight or not get along or to split up. <laughs> that is so funny. You would have been like the kids on uh, The Sound of Music. Oh, I, I, I've never watched that. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, I'm so disappointed in you. I'm sorry. She is. She, uh, yeah, you should be. Um, she, <laughs> she is the, the perfect stepmom. And it's funny because I've always loved that movie long before I became a stepmom. And then I think, oh, she is the perfect stepmom. Well, anyway, that's what they did. The kids tried to, she was, she didn't come in as a stepmom though. She came in as a governess and they tried to get her to leave by doing all these horrible things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would have been me. No doubt. That's what I was thinking. Not so much to a stepdad, but to a stepmom. Oh yeah. It's interesting when we were talking about before how it's so much harder for stepmoms and stepdads. So I was at a party once and I was talking about the stepmom book that I had written and was waiting for it to come out from the publishing house. And a few men came up to me and said, well, you should write one for stepdads. Our stories deserve to be told and our voices deserve to be heard. And I said, well, that's an interesting idea. Okay. Because when I embarked on the stepmom book, I wasn't sure I could tell other people's stories. And I have been told I've done a good job telling the stories in their voices and the other other stepmom's voices, not just my own stories. So I thought, well, let me see if I can tell the stories from the men's perspective. <laughs> so funny. The book could be a pamphlet. Uh-huh. <laughs> the stories are very heartfelt and very endearing, but boy, it just does not take them nearly as many words to tell their stories. Yes. It's really, really, really interesting how different it is for them versus us. And it's not that there's never any stepdads that have the same struggles as stepmoms, because there are, especially if the stepdad is financially responsible for the family and the stepkids disrespectful. I mean, there are challenges that they experience, but I think a lot of it is, I don't want us to say men in general, but I am, I'm going to say it. Men in general are not as emotionally involved and they don't come in trying to fix everything. That's right. Even though men like to fix things. So that is actually interesting. You know, whenever Mm -hmm. you you hear about that, you are upset about your day and you want to tell your husband and he's trying to fix it for you. And you're like, I just want to talk about it. Yeah. So they do seem to do that. But, and I thought maybe you were going to say, and you're like, well, I'm going to go ahead and say it, men in general. And I thought maybe you were going to say, they don't care. (laughs) And that's, that sounds so mean, but so it's not, I don't think that's right either, but they're just not as invested in whether these children like them or accept them or embrace them. It's easier for them to just kind of sit back and go, well, okay, we'll see what happens. You know, I just think it comes down to that nurturing thing that women tend to have as a rule. Right. Yes. However, a couple of things you mentioned, I felt like, oh, she's read my stepdad book. And then I realized she couldn't have, it's not out yet. (laughs) So one of the things you said, the financial piece, that was one story from one of the stepdads. He really was the financial provider because the biological dad wasn't doing much of that. And another one that was very interesting to me was Step moms get this evil, the evil stepmom, right? From all of these stories, whatever in the history, right? Stepdads, though, get accused of sexual assault, right? Sexual yeah. abuse. 
And so this one stepdad said he, and he is such a wonderful human being, but he was afraid to be in the house when just his stepdaughter was home. He didn't want to hug her. He didn't want, he was just so over the top afraid of all that. And I thought, wow, that's so sad, but I get it. I get where he's coming from. Yeah, I I get it too. Yeah, really interesting. So they have their own things that they have to put up with. Yes. We do. <laughs> yeah. And David's been very open about his story and the struggles that he went through as a bio dad going through all this. And now, I don't know his story. Well, he always felt stuck in the middle because I was complaining about his kids. They were complaining about me. He could never win. Wow. His parents jumped in on the bandwagon. His sister jumped in on the bandwagon of, Lori's got to go. So everybody was just always on him about how unhappy they were. And he felt like he just, he said he intentionally would make people mad because he couldn't make them happy. Right. Mm -hmm. What could he do? He couldn't make everybody happy. Yeah. And then as a stepdad, he and Jackson have a different relationship because Jackson was three when we started dating. He was a lot younger. And... He does leave disciplining up to me. He'll tell you I don't discipline, but he leaves everything up to me. But if Jackson's pushing my buttons and I'm about to flip out, he will tell Jackson that's enough. Interesting. So he'll step in when he feels it's at that breaking point. When he feels I'm getting ready to do something I'll regret. Yes. Right. Yeah. Or say something I'll regret. Yeah. That's fabulous. I love that. That's that's actually really good because he just backs off until, mm-hmm. you know. And he'll he'll make jokes about it too mm-hmm. on the podcast. He'll say, Oh yeah, uh Lori told Jackson she couldn't do something. And five minutes later he's doing it. And so he asked me, How does it feel to be an ineffective parent? Oh. I'm like, stop, just stop. Wow. How does it feel? Oh my god. How does it feel? And at that time, I'm watching my son do what I told him not to. So I wasn't as quick-witted to say, I don't know. You could tell me. (laughs) Ah, there you go. Because, yeah, you were mired in it at that moment. Yeah. So then you think about later, oh, I should have said. I know. I know. I just, I wasn't there. I was thinking, darn it, Jackson. (laughs) Right. How old is Jackson now? Jackson is 17. I thought so. Okay, yeah. Because I've seen the pictures. and My sweet baby boy. You guys have been together a long time. Yes, we have. We'll be together 13 years this year. Okay. Yeah, so we got married when he was four. Is that right? Something so like you that. Didn't, you yeah. didn't take too long to get married either then, right? Well, Jackson's dad and I actually split up, and then I found out I was pregnant. Oh, okay. Actually, I didn't date for almost a year after I had Jackson. Well, yeah, that makes sense, because... That that's tough. When the when the baby's that little, I'm sorry, the baby does have to come first. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I my husband, we met, gosh, just five months or something after he split from his ex. And I'm like, that's not fair. You only had to wait five months for me. I had to wait four years for you. <laughs> but everybody's on their own journey. And yeah, he was I, I was worried that he wasn't really ready, but their marriage had been dead for a while. And, and again, he was doing that stay together for the kids kind of thing, not realizing that's not really the best move. Yeah. It's harmful in ways. I, I agree. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's actually the wrong move. But again, that's judgment. <laughs> the lady I interviewed the other day, they met, I think, three, two or three months after their divorces were final, and they got married two months after that. Wow. Yeah, they got married two months after they met. I'm like, holy moly. Wow. I yeah. thought we did it quickly. We were, we met in January. I moved in in December, and then we got married the following July. So it was a year and a half. So I thought that was quick. Yeah, that was about like us. We met in May, got engaged the following May, and got married in October. Okay, yeah, very similar. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And, you know, and my husband feel, well, not now because the kids are grown, but has felt put in the middle too, where he can't please anybody. And I think that might be a story that's in the book where I'm all excited for our first movie night with the kids. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the the popcorn and the hot chocolate and I'm all excited. And next thing I know, the kids are fighting over who gets to sit next to dad and he's left in the middle going, well, what do I do? And that was just really hard. I don't even really remember how that got resolved, but I just remember feeling very rejected at that point. Yeah. It's hard if your husband only had one, then that was easy because one could sit on one side and you could sit on the other. Exactly. But when there's two, or in David's case, there were four. Wow. Yeah. You had to rotate who sat beside him. Wow. I thought he had three. He has four kids. Mm -hmm. He has four. Avery is the oldest he is, he'll be 24 in the next couple of weeks. And yeah. then the triplets are 22. Oh, triplets. Okay. Maybe I didn't know about the oldest one. Yeah. Triplets. Well, God bless you. We had five boys between us. Wow. Did you have them all? Were your custody, was your custody arrangement where you had them all at the same time? When we first got together, we had them 11 out of 14 days. And then year two to year three, it went to 50-50. Okay. And you had, did you have full custody of Jackson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every other weekend, he would go to his dad's in a week in June, week in July, week after Christmas or week before Christmas, whatever. Okay. Got it. So Jackson was an only child one week and then had four brothers the next week. <laughs> wow. That is so crazy. So it's, And it's all boys. Yes. I don't think it was all boys. I know I've seen the pictures. I don't know why that's, I don't know why that's new to me. That's really tough. Gosh. I think it was easier with it being all boys than if they were girls though, to be honest. Well, that's an interesting point. Like I said, I got more drama from, from that. Cause again, to generalize. <laughs> well, they girls. say the hardest relationship in a blend is a stepmom and a stepdaughter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm so thrilled that we're so close now that it's worked out and And I will give myself credit for that, for handling it the way I have, not pushing myself on her. And and the way we're going back to the spitting on the dog story, everybody, (laughs) you know, that was that was the first story I wrote because I kept hearing from people, wow, the way you handled that. One of the stepmoms told me I would not have been that nice. And I think the reason I was able to be the way I was with that is because of my experience working with children, because I have a bachelor's degree in child development and a master's in special ed because of my background, I was able to step back. Cause I'm telling you that dog was like my daughter, right? but I was able to step back and instead of just yelling, ask the questions, what happened? 
What made you spit on her? (laughs) I'm shocked at how calm you were to ask that because I'd have been like, did you freaking spit on my dog? (laughs) I mean, that's what everybody, everybody has said that to me. And I don't know. And I'm not a very religious. I'm not a religious person at all, more spiritual, but I still feel like I got a little help from above, maybe from my mom Mm because she's up there. I don't know why or how I was able to squat down and look her in the eye and ask the questions I did and find out that she was jealous of my dog. I mean, that was just an amazing revelation. And it wasn't like our problems were over after that. You know, the problems still went on hot and cold, hot and cold for, for quite a few years, actually. But yeah, that was a crazy story. Did you do like the rest of us and ever sit on the front porch and think, what have I done? Oh, please. I cried myself to sleep so many nights thinking exactly that. What have I done with my life? We should have just kept this and every other week in relationship. I gave up everything. I sold my house. Same here. You did too? I sold my business. I moved from fantastic weather near the beach in Southern California to the hot, stuffy, smoggy valley, boring valley. But uh, yeah, I did all of that. And I I told him when I moved in with him, or actually before I moved in with him, I said, you promise me right now that we will move back to a beachy, cooler climate when the kids are grown. I made him promise me that. And we did. And I don't know about you, but I moved into the house he lived in with his ex-wife. Yep. You did too? Yep. Have you been told since then? Yeah. Too bad you didn't talk to me about that. I wouldn't have recommended that. Well, it's family land, so that adds a little complexity to it. The joke is, when my mom and papa die, I'm out of here. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. There you go. Where do you guys live? In South Carolina. We're about halfway between Charlotte, North Carolina, and Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that would be tough. I And it was so funny. I sold my house and then had money from that. And I said, you know, Hey, I'd like to redecorate. And he goes, Hey, you can do whatever you want. He said, I don't have a lot of money because he bought her out of the house and was paying a ridiculous amount of child support. Mm -hmm. But he said, you can do whatever you want. So I took some of the money I made from my house and Oh boy, the way my friend puts it, it's like, I just peed all over that house. (laughs) (laughs) I had to mark it and make it my own as yes. much as I could, as much as I could. It was so cluttered with knickknacks and things. I mean, it was pretty, but very overdone until we finally, the kids grew up and I said, it's time and I need to get out of this hot valley and I need my own house. And now I have my own house that we chose together. And that makes such a difference for me. I just, I love it here. Yeah, we've done a lot. I could not get rid of the lighthouse wallpaper border quick enough. Mm, right. But I did try to not change too much too quickly because one of the kids that bothered, Mm. well, it probably bothered all of them, but one of them's like, you're changing everything. (laughs) And and he's like, you're making everything brown because my couch was brown and the TV (laughs) entertainment center thing's brown. So he just kept saying, you're making everything brown. But (laughs) two, I guess I've been here so long and we've added things to the house and Nothing looks the same. So I don't know that I so much need to be in a different house. 
but I would still like to be. Okay. I hear you. Well, where we lived was one of those cookie cutter neighborhoods where everything looks the same. So that right there for me, I've one of my girlfriends is like, she goes, Oh, I love neighborhoods like this. They're so manicured and so pretty. And I get that, but it's not for my personality. It's not what I wanted. So that was part of it for me. And it was so hot and stuffy there. I have another friend who is perfectly happy in the house. She's made enough changes and it feels like home and she likes where it is and she likes her neighbors and so it's it's really there were so many factors for me that that made me want to move but again you you read my book so you probably remember my story and you see this is what's so cool about talking to somebody where again you feel like you're not alone I had the same exact thing I told the kids I said I I promise I won't change your room or your toy room but I think I was making so many changes that my stepson came home from school one day and saw the painter there painting something else and your wallpaper was lighthouses. Mine was grapes. It was one of those borders. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, wine grapes, you know, whatever. I was like, oh, good Lord, that has to go. But he went upstairs to his room and he came out on the landing and he said, Sean, you promised me you wouldn't change my room. And I said, honey, I didn't. I haven't even gone in there. And he kind of turned bright red and went, oh, Okay. So there were so many changes happening in the house that I think he went into his room and imagined it. <laughs> yeah. And so I realized I got to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or thinking that you had moved something or changed something. Something was different. Yeah. He, he just made it up in his mind. I mean, it was so crazy. He is still to this day, he's 26, almost 27, to this day really doesn't like change. That's something for him. He just doesn't. He had baseballs and puppy dogs all over his room until he was 15. And he's not even into dogs or baseball. So it was very, <laughs> <laughs> very funny, but he just didn't, it was really hard for him to let go of that until finally we did work it out when he was, I don't know, 15, 16, finally, you know, let's have a little bit more of a grown up room. Yeah. Cool. I asked my son the other day, I said, do you want to paint your room? He said, no. I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it. it's not decorated with anything. It's just the blue. I'm like, it's been like that. I'm thinking it's been that way 13 years. Do you want to change it? He's no, I'm good. I'm like, okay. And it's funny because I think we changed my stepdaughter's room two or three times. And again, perhaps this is generalizing, but I feel like it's a little bit more of a girl thing, wanting your surroundings to be special and to feel good and feel like yours. But boys don't tend to care as much. Yes. And I think mine is more of, I know that, quote, quote, David designed this house, but I know she had input. Uh, And it's not the way that I would want my house. Exactly. I would want it to be more windows and the living room to be set up differently and things like that. But who knows? By the time that Papa and Mama die, there's no telling because David's grandmother's 90-something. So I'm liable to die before them. (laughs) I love it, right? The longevity. He's got longevity in his family. Yeah. And no, for anybody listening, no, I don't want my mom and papa to die. I'm just saying. No, that is not the point. That was not at all. It's really more, it sounds like you respect how they feel. And so you wouldn't want to do anything drastic like that or big, I should say big like that until they're gone because you respect them. Right. That's what. I, that's my takeaway. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> See, you can take it any way you want to and you chose to take it the right way. I'm glad. I'm glad. That was what I felt from you. It's a respect thing, you know? Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. you did write a stepdad book. Yes. And it's so as I was saying before, the stories are so much shorter. I think it would be a, just a very short book. But in what's interesting is when I wrote the stepmom book, it was quite a bit longer than the one that I published. So because what the publisher was saying is for this type of book, you don't want it to be so long. And there were a few chapters and some stories that I felt perhaps weren't that great or that important or that, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I pulled out four chapters and half the stories from a few of the extra long chapters. So I think what I'm probably going to come out with is a step parenting book and put the stepdad stories along with the other stepmom stories. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I do too. I might be the way to go and combine it. And, you know, that way you're, we're learning about both experiences. I think it's very important for women to understand the men's side of thing and vice versa. I I think so too. Yeah. I'm in the middle or in the beginning of writing my book. And so I think we're going to have a chapter where David just writes what he's thinking. So what is your book about? Not showing. Well, I mean, I gathered that, but I mean, <laughs> let me, I didn't, I didn't phrase that well. What is the perspective then? Both you, like you two are going to share your perspectives? No, it's more of telling our story, but also explaining the method to people. And then also giving David's perspective on when I was not showing and the benefits of it and how we learned through the process, kind of a Reader's Digest version from his input side. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said he wanted to do it like those books when you you had when you were little that you read it one way and when you finished, you flipped it upside down to finish reading the other side or whatever. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. funny. I forget what they're called. I said, no, you should make it one of those where they answer questions and then they go to page whatever if they answered this, kind of like a mystery book. Oh, that's good too. Yeah. It's a little more interactive that way. I like it. Mm-hmm. I just love how you guys have turned nacho into a verb. Yeah. <laughs> Nachoing. I love that. Yeah. It's um definitely taken on a life of its own. I never would have thought that standing in that parking lot after leaving that counselor and I'm like, they're nacho kids. I never thought that we would be where we are with this. That was the one I listened to long ago. I listened to that uh, that podcast and heard your story. And I, I remember that so clear. And then you just recently posted about it. So it brought it back to my mind how at first you were so offended. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then real, you know, I know they're not my kids, like whatever. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, duh. And then, right. And then you get out there and you're like, Oh, Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. They're not, I can just step back from this. And I <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And it's like I said, thank God he knew how hard headed I was. Right. You needed to be hit over the head like that. Yeah. I needed him to tell me 862 times or 826 times, whatever it was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For it to sink in. That's yes. fabulous. Well, because you have to remember we're mired in it. And it's very hard to keep a clear, objective mindset when you're in it. Right. You have to separate from it. Well, in, in a way, Physically, in, in your case, you know, get out to the parking lot type of thing, right? I right. mean, that's like literal separation. From, anyway, it's it's fascinating because when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard to 
see through all the muck that you're drowning in. Well, and not only that, but society is hitting you over the head with a sign that says, you've got to love them as your own. You've got to be their mom. You've got to take care of them. And that's that's wrong. Or the other, too. You knew what you were getting into. Really? Oh, yes. Yes. What the hell is What does that even mean? Yeah. I talked to one stepmom who was a stepmom twice. So married to one man and his kids. And you may have read about these stories and then met somebody else who came with kids. And so it was two different. Well, I don't know if I, I'm, I don't know if I put those together in the book, but in any case, so you can't say you knew what you were getting into because with the first man she married and his kids, it was a completely different dynamic from the second man that she married and his daughter in this case, completely different. So every family dynamic is different. So right. no, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. That's the most ridiculous statement. Well, a minute ago, you referred to not getting along with people to work. And I can use the work reference all day long with step families, a stepmom. You're not the CEO at work, so you don't go plop in the CEO chair. No, that's good. You stay in your lane. Right. And when you go for a job interview, you might be hired just, say, as a buyer, But then the next thing you know, you're also a planner and you're also doing some quality control. You didn't know that was going to happen. You didn't quote, quote, sign up for that. That's a good point, too. That's right. But you don't go, wait a minute. No, that's not my job. This isn't what I signed up for. Right. You don't do that. You just don't jump in and you do it. Yep. But yeah, I love using the work analogies because it seems to help people understand it a little more. You look at it from a different perspective. Yes. And and most people have worked for a company, you know, at least at one point in their lives, you know, if not still do. And it's really important to realize that because again, you don't say, oh, I didn't sign up for this. You take the job that you're given and the new responsibilities that they've given you. But again, it doesn't mean you're going to like everybody you're working with. Right. And you can't choose. No. You can't say to your boss, I don't like little Johnny, so I can't go to the meetings if he's there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I don't like little Johnny. <laughs> it's funny because my dad's name's Johnny. And oh. everybody's like, is that where little Johnny came from? I'm like, no, y'all don't remember little Johnny jokes when you were little? Yeah, right. There were a whole bunch of them. That's what I thought you meant. Yeah, little Johnny was a bad kid. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. My grandmother's name was Johnny. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Since I have one, I thank you for that because it was hard when I was young, but now I like my name. Yeah. You do have a male name, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I've only met one other female, Sean. I've met a few Seanas, but I'm just Sean. Yeah. So I like mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I like those names too. I, I've always liked that. Well, I could talk to you forever. I could too. This is so fun. I know. I'm enjoying it. But what's the best advice you would give someone getting ready to join the blended bliss, we will say? (laughs) My best advice would be don't run. No, (laughs) No, not at all. I am so happy that I didn't run away from it, that I didn't let those tear-filled nights of wondering what I had done with my life get the better of me, that I didn't take on the drama from my husband's ex that I was somehow able to realize she was dealing with her own 
stuff as well, her own fears and her own feelings of, of being threatened and, and all of that, that I, that I hung in there. The one thing I would probably say is keep the lines of communication open with your spouse. I feel so lucky that my husband is, was, and is so open-minded that he didn't have that shut down. I've, I've, I'm on a lot of the, the Facebook pages of step families, and I hear a lot of the stepmoms say, I keep telling my husband I need some support or I need this, and he just won't, he just won't. Then I do kind of feel like, oh, maybe you should get out, I, I, you know, <laughs> because you have to work together. Mm-hmm. And he can't understand exactly what you're going through for obvious reasons, but he needs to have an open mind and you need to have an open mind and communicate and talk things through. And if you have that type of marriage, you'll survive and you'll get through it. And you never know, you might end up truly falling in love with your stepkids and vice versa. I have to say, this whole journey has taught me so much. Oh, me too. And even just with changing my perspective on other things, for instance, if I go through the drive through somewhere and the person at the window is kind of rude, instead of thinking, wow, she's, you know what, I think, I wonder what she's going through. Oh, I love that. And the same thing with taking my time to do stuff. I don't rush around the old people at the store to get a buggy. Instead, if I do get ahead of them, I'll go get them a buggy and give it to them. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. And that's how I feel too. And I I think I posted something to that effect on one of your Instagram posts when I said, you know, it was such a lesson for me. And again, that learning to let go and not control things and to sit back and to be more patient and more understanding. My favorite quote, I don't know if you're a Ted Lasso fan. We love that show. No idea who that is. Oh, it's such a fabulous show. I think it's on Apple. So I don't know if you have Apple TV, but oh my gosh, get it just to watch that show. It's so good. Anyway, it's called Ted, called Ted Lasso. Okay. I'm going to write it on my hand. So I'll look later. Good. <laughs> so good. And he, his character gets judged a lot. And one of the things he says is be curious, not judgmental. Ah. And right. And I heard that and, and he, and he credits it to who originated the quote, who is uh, Walt Whitman. So he doesn't take it on, but it's really funny. I thought I got to have that on a shirt. And when I got online to look for it, they all had Ted Lasso references. Like it's not his quote, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I bought a t-shirt that says that because this goes to the other book I'm writing right now about differences and how I'm including so many differences, sexual differences, gender differences, learning differences, physical differences, because my thinking is, wouldn't it be cool if we stopped judging each other or we're human? What if we did judge, but then we caught ourselves and went, right. wait a second, like you just said, gosh, that person wasn't friendly. Well, hang on. Maybe they're going through something. Mm-hmm. What if we stopped and we were curious? Yeah, their mom could have died that morning, but they had to go to work because they were afraid they'd lose their job. Right. Exactly. And I am that person who thinks that way. So I love that you use that example because I try to think that way. And I try to bring a smile to their face too, if I can. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Be curious, not judgmental. Well, and also be compassionate. And one thing that makes me so angry in these Facebook groups is stepmoms bashing other stepmoms. Exactly. And 
it drives me crazy. But I have to say, I saw something that our preacher had posted. He wrote a book, and this other preacher attacked him. Oh. And I'm thinking, well, that just goes to show that it's for everybody. Everybody is going to deal with conflict. In a different way. And and right. And everybody has their downfalls because, again, we are all human. But going back to what you said here, having stepmoms bash other stepmoms, that sort of goes back to that you knew what you were getting into statement. It's almost like the stepmom who's bashing the other stepmom is saying that, well, why are you acting like that? You knew what you were getting yourself into, even though we all as stepmoms, I think collectively hate that saying, but that's kind of what you're doing right there because you're judging their experiences and you don't know what their dynamic is. You don't know what they're dealing with. Right. And I bet that stepmom that's saying that stuff, I can, I can describe her to a T or her situation. Usually they only have the kids during the summer, one or two weeks. There you go. She is a type B personality. Right. She is early in the blend and has a great relationship with bio mom and everybody's one big happy family. Exactly. And in five years, she's going to be looking at how to nacho. Probably. Or, or another way to look at it, right? So it could be that, or she's projecting that yes. maybe she can't see her own stuff and her own drama. And so it makes her feel good to bash somebody else because she's really not that happy or things really aren't that good. Exactly. That's another way to look at it. Yeah, because on Facebook, we have to make sure that everything looks pretty and we're better than the Joneses. That's right. And just like with, like I said before, with all the famous people out there going, oh, yes, my husband has two sons and I have two kids and we're just all so happy together. Mm -hmm. You're not. You're a liar. And you're you're And you're afraid to say the truth or to tell the truth that it's hard because then you're afraid it's going to make you look bad. And that's the part that makes me so sad. It's can we just tell our stories? Right. And be honest. And the ones that say, I love them like my own. And you say, oh, how many kids do you have? Oh, well, I don't have kids. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I will say, I interviewed a lady the other day and I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, she has a relationship with her stepdaughter that is completely different than the relationship she has with the other stepkids. And she truly feels more of a mom toward this child. But she'll tell you, I don't have kids, so I can't compare it. But I do feel like I do love her like my own. Because this is how I feel like I would feel. I love that. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. I've said that about my stepdaughter that I love her so much that I might as well have given birth to her. And again, I did not have kids of my own either. So I don't really know what that feels like, but she's so much like my husband. They are two peas in a pod and they're just these beautiful, loving souls. Mm-hmm. And I've said about my stepson that I might as well have given birth to him because we're so much alike in both good and bad ways, you know? So right. It's kind of it's kind of interesting, but it took a long time to build that. It took a long time for us to get there. Right. And I love my stepkids, but not yeah. like I love my son. Right. And you have that. Right. And I love each of my stepkids differently. And then there's that. And how many times have you heard a bio parent say that they almost always have a favorite? <gasps> I know. I know. Right? Yes. Whether they're going to admit it or not, because it's just that child that they connect more with. 
Right. My husband says it all the time. He's one of five. And he goes, oh, yeah, I know that Stephen was mom's favorite. They all say that mm-hmm. Stephen was mom's favorite. You know, I just it's life. Yes. But a stepmom say it and whoo, Lord. And there is that there again is that judgment. We're not allowed to say that. So it, it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't feel fair. Like you said, we could talk about this for hours. Yes. We'll have to have me on the show again. Yes, I will. I will. Well, when your next book comes out, we will. There you go. All right. Oh, I was just saying, when your book comes out too, that's exciting. I I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be soon. I don't know when. It takes a long time for a book to come out. So be patient. Yes. (laughs) Patience. Patience, dear grasshopper. Patience. There you go. Well, tell people again where they can find you and your book. Okay. Well, again, I'm Sean Simon. My book is Stepping into a New Role, Stories from Stepmoms. And if you go to my website, stepmomshawn.com, all the links to it are there. It's on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and with the publishing company called 4RV Publishing. But the best place to go is my website because Amazon, is, sometimes it's hard to find on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So my website is the best, stepmomshawn.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and also for sharing your book. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This was super fun. All right. We'll stay in touch. I definitely will. You take care. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. I love how her stepdaughter said she wanted her parents to get back together, but that she'd like Sean and maybe Sean could just move next door. (laughs) <laughs> we have an extra bedroom you can stay in <laughs> Yeah <laughs> You can live downstairs in the basement Yeah, it's funny Kids don't necessarily understand all the complications around that mm-hmm. As you heard, stepdaughter admits that she was jealous of the dog mm. Yeah, sometimes I'm jealous of the dog <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I am, like when she sleeps all day. <laughs> no, you had a better life than I got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, of course, we talked about how the phrase, you knew what you were getting into. Oh, Lord. It is not fair to say that to anybody on this planet Earth. Yeah, that's a, that's a trigger term. Now, you can say if somebody jumped in a frozen lake, you knew what you were getting into. <laughs> But did they really know? No. Not until you experience it. Right. And our crystal balls are kind of broken. Mm-hmm. So we didn't know what we were getting into. I'm just glad you finally admitted you were a witch. I did not say I was a witch. <laughs> Gosh, David, you are off the chain today. <laughs> All right, David. I don't even know if I want to ask you if you have anything else you want to talk about. Well, you just did without asking me. Oh. <laughs> but no, I'm good. I'm good. Are you? Yeah, I'm always good. I mean, my prime. <laughs> <laughs> that made me spit on myself. Oh, one thing that is coming up, David. October, we're going to have to take pictures at the Cornfield Maze and share with our audience. Yeah. yeah, that'll be fun. And y'all, don't forget to check us out on TikTok. And no, Lori ain't dancing. <laughs> Not yet anyway. Oh, goodness. So give us some love there because 
you don't know how hard it is for me to take those pictures and stuff. <laughs> I do. It is very, very difficult. Good grief. Yeah, it's not fun, but we do it for you, people. We do it for you. I don't know why, because you're gorgeous. Oh, aren't you sweet? But apparently your glasses need to be... Um, yeah, they are dirty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, now that David admitted his glasses were dirty and he thinks I'm gorgeous when looking through those. You're blurry gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) All right, David, say goodbye to our listeners. Goodbye, listeners. Join us next week when you hear Lori talk about probably anything. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Cornfield mazes. Yeah. And remember that life is good. When you nacho. Listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.